promised myself 12 months ago that I wouldn't drink again. Welcome back to Still Not Drunk, the podcast about drinking, hosted by a comedian who doesn't drink. That's me, Aiden Jones. What's going on? How are you? You good? Hope you're doing well, man. I'm very excited about this episode. I always say I'm excited, and I am excited this week. Maybe some weeks, I'm faking it. I'm lying. You don't know. I'm never going to tell you which ones, but this week, I'm genuinely excited because my guest on the podcast is my dear friend, Lucy Bloom who um, is a speaker, a keynote speaker and an author. She lives in Sydney and uh, we had this chat a couple of months ago when I was staying at her place in Coogee Beach and uh, Lucy is like one of the most interesting people I know. She's very uh, business-minded and she's like had a lot of success in the world of business and then she's kind of turned that into a successful speaking business. And she goes around the world giving talks to bunches of corporate people and fucking sells them her books. And uh, she's actually just released her first uh, novel, like a fiction novel um, called The Manuscript, which you can go get. I mean, you can check out all of her stuff on um, her website, which I believe is lucybloom.com.au. I should have double-checked that first. Let's look. Lucy Bloom, writer... It's Lucy. It's thelucybloom.com. <laughs> Great preparation, Aiden. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's just released her first novel. She's also released uh, Get the Girls Out, which is a memoir of hers. And um, before that, she also released a pregnancy book for men. So she's just like broad range of stuff. She's an absolute badass. She's dyed her hair pink. One, because it looks sick, and two, for marketing purposes. And that really tells you everything that you need to know about her. She's very confident. She knows what she wants, and she's not afraid to go out and get it. Um, I find her to be a very inspiring person. And um, in this chat that we that you're about to listen to, we spoke about when she was 18, she had a motorcycle accident on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and uh, it put her out of action for a year. She was in the hospital for a year, a week, and a day when she was 18 to 19. And so when all of her friends were out drinking and partying, she was in hospital for a year just having to deal with all of the emotion and the pain of that experience. And it was a hospital where she couldn't drink, she couldn't smoke, she couldn't, she wouldn't even like coffee. I think it was Jehovah's Witness, she said, whatever. It was like a weird private hospital. So rather than have any other ways to deal with all that stuff, she just learned to deal with it in and of herself. And then when she got out of hospital... She started a marketing agency at 19. She was married. She had three kids, young, um, got divorced quite young at 40 as well. And um, I mean, just that, like the thing that's cool about Lucy is I feel like there are a lot of people, especially people in the world of speaking where people, it's like a corporate world, but you're using your own story. And I think a lot of people would try and use a story like having a motorcycle accident at 18, they would make that like the cornerstone of their whole personality and their whole thing. But it doesn't even really feature in, um, you know, like it's it's like not even in the top five most, most interesting things about Lucy or the first five things that she'll tell you because she's done so much other stuff with her life. Um, and we obviously didn't have time to cover everything that she's done in her life. If you want to read about it, you can check out her... her um, her memoir, which is a very good book. I've read it. She gave me a signed copy. Wonderful. But um, yeah, we talked about that. And then she's also just gone sober 
quite recently. This is her third time trying to go sober for her own reasons. And again, she's bringing her own kind of determination to it and trying to find her own flavor of what sobriety is. And we talk about that and we talk about different approaches to sobriety. She read a book by Holly Whitaker called Quit Like a Woman and... Um, it's given her a bit more of a kind of feminist perspective on sobriety. So heaps of interesting stuff. I hope you guys enjoy it. As always, the podcast is sponsored by anadrinks.com.au. That's anadrinks.com.au, online platform for alcohol-free drinks. Anything you want to get delivering all over Australia, if you're not drinking or even if you just want a couple of alcohol-free drinks, head on there. Those guys have got anything you need and the best prices. I fucking love them so much. This week, the drink we drank was uh, Sangria by Altina Drinks, which honestly one of my favorites, especially because as I say almost every week, I don't really like the alcohol-free wines most of the time, but this Altina Sangria comes in a little can. Lucy made fun of me for not making it into a little cocktail for her, but um I just, it's it, it's something different. It's like, it is a sangria kind of thing. It's got a bit of vanilla in there. I like that it's in a can. It's carbonated. It feels like an adult drink, but kind of made out of wine. Um, I met the Altina guy, <clears throat> Alan, came to my show in the, in, in the Sydney Comedy Festival. It was lovely. It's Alan and Christina Altina. Huh? Huh? How about that? Pretty good. Oh my God, I'm about to sneeze. Am I going to sneeze? I'm not going to sneeze. It's okay. It's going to be okay. So yeah, the Sangria was fantastic. I probably should have chilled it. The interview was kind of rushed. I just got it out of my bag. <laughs> like the setup for the interview, you know? I was like, we've got time to do it. Let's do it now. And uh, we sat on Lucy's couch in a in a um, lounge room and then her dog kept coming up and like jumping up on us. If you like dogs... I haven't put the last couple of episodes on YouTube because I've been traveling and my bandwidth has been shit, but I'm hoping to have the bandwidth this week to chuck this one up on YouTube. So if you're on YouTube watching this, you will be able to see periodically her dog just jump up onto our laps as we're sitting on the couch in the middle of the interview. Um, I think that's everything I want to say. Altina drinks, the Sangria, super nice. Lucy Bloom, very cool. anadrinks.com.au, fucking sick. That's it, man. I hope you guys enjoy this chat. Oh, if you're liking the podcast, five stars, Apple, Spotify, do all that stuff. Follow the Instagram. Um, that's still not drunk pod on Instagram. And with that, oh, actually, when's this coming out? Yeah, it's coming out this week. If you're in uh, Edinburgh or know anyone in Edinburgh, I'm going to be doing my show all month. Um, my show, my show, the morning after about quitting drinking at six thirty every day from the third to the twenty seventh of August in Cabaret Voltaire, and my new show, which at the Fringe this year is called Adult Adoption, but I'm actually going to call it once I fit. It's going to be called Panic Attack in E Flat, and it's a story of me having a panic attack on the train earlier this year. And then interspersed through the story, I'm going to be playing, I played classical piano as a kid, and so interspersed through the story, I'm going to play Chopin's Nocturne in E-flat major as a kind of break between all the stories. It's going to give the narrative a bit of flow, and then at the end, it's all going to come back. If you like stand-up and if you like that idea, those are my two shows, uh, 1.15 at Counting House or 6.30 at Cabaret Voltaire. All right, with that, that's enough from me. I hope you guys enjoy this chat between me and my good mate, Lucy Bloom.
Why'd you pick this? I gave you a few options. Um, because it's skinny for ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's for chicks. Lady sads. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lady sads. Oh no, it just look nice. Um. So normally I start by asking people about their drinking history. You grew up. I forget exactly what your history is. You grew up in South Africa, or you were born in South Africa. I was born in South Africa, but I grew up here. Yeah. So how long did you live in South Africa for? Uh, left there when I was five, went okay. to the UK. was miserable there because it rained for three years straight. <laughs> and so we moved here. I remember you saying about how Africa has a particular smell to it, which I always thought was really nice. Yeah, donkey shit. Donkey shit? I think you said it smells like fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It smells because everyone burns their rubbish. Yeah. And leaves and stuff. like this. Yeah. It's just lawless. Yeah. Isn't well, there's no, you know, there's no garbage collection in... in you know, I don't know shit about Ethiopia yeah, or okay. you know regional Uganda. There's, uh-huh. there's no garbage collection, so you either bury it or burn it. Okay. What do you remember about your time out there? Where were you in South Africa? Oh, I was just we just lived in on a farm outside okay. of Johannesburg, so we weren't you know in places like Uganda or. What were your mum and dad farming? Hobby farming. My dad's an engineer and mum was a school teacher, but yeah, we were hobby farming, small scale farm, hundred peach trees. How does that happen that they get out there? Are they African? Uh, South African, yeah. Yeah, okay. And then they just left. Didn't like it. Uh, yeah, my dad is a locomotive engineer. What does that mean? Um, choo-choos, choo-choo <laughs> trains. And uh, we wanted to leave South Africa because at the time uh, my brothers would have had to do compulsory army service. Oh, older brothers. Yeah. Wow, and so they were coming up to the age. Well, eventually, yeah. So my dad had skipped compulsory army service because he got a scholarship to university to be an engineer and they were desperate for engineers. Yeah, okay. And your brothers were too dumb. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So we went to the UK but we weren't very happy there. So you moved to Australia when you were eight? Yeah. Grew up in Sydney? That's right. And how's that? Amazing. You love Sydney? Awesome, Yeah. Fabulous place you, I feel like you have like a very typical Sydney place. You're on Coogee. It's a beautiful apartment. You look over the water. Sydney's your spot. It's a pretty cool spot. Did you only stay in Sydney then or were you guys moving around still? No, we just we just moved to Sydney and we stayed here. Okay. And you, yeah. and you don't drink now. I'm a non-drinker. You're a non-drinker. I don't like the word sober. Yeah. Because the opposite of sober is drunk. Yeah, okay. And um, yeah, I'm just a non-drinker. Okay. So yeah. you don't – is it a hard rule? I don't drink at all. You don't drink at all yeah. and you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't drink at all. But look, I'm very new to this. Yeah. Uh, today is my 121th day. Hey, there 21th. you go, dog. And you're, <laughs> still, and you're still counting, which is a nice, you know. I have a little app to you. that oh, counts yeah? for me. And it, it's calculated that I've saved $1,300. Yo. In the boots I would have spent. And that's 700 units, 709 to be precise. Uh-huh. Um, booze units I haven't consumed. That's almost, judging by what you told me today, uh, like a quarter of a box of books. Yeah, a sold. quarter of a box sold. sold. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 700 units. Uh, 700. 700 drinks I haven't had. Yeah, how many? I saved $1,300. Yeah, $1,300. Yeah, that's two boxes of books sold. Oh, 700. Sorry, I thought it was 7,000. No. Oh, two boxes of books. <laughs> 700, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sick. Do you, did you, were you a big drinker though when you were young? What were, uh, you, what were you like as a kid? Because I've only known you for like. Questions. Well, 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 they're kind of the same question though, right? 
were you a big drinker and what were you like as a kid? Meaning like, were you a psycho kid? Did you rebel? Were you like, fuck you, mum and dad, I'm going to get drunk and fucked up? No, not at all. Nah. Nah, not at all. Were you a studious young lady? Uh, yeah, I was actually. Yeah? Yeah. How did that work? I was, the, I'm the youngest of four. I was the only one that was sent to a private school. Mm-hmm. I think my parents just saved up their pennies and went, she's, she's the one who might be... Might make the most of this. Yeah, okay. Either that or they were like, she's the most out of control. So it Or like you were the last one and <laughs> their like fortunes rose at Possibly. the perfect time for you. And you I'm know? the only one who went to the same high school from year 7 to 12 because of our intercontinental moves. Oh, okay, okay. So you had the stability. Yeah. And they put all their pennies in that basket. But I was acutely aware of how much that was costing my folks. Like oh. Really aware. And so I worked really hard at school. Wow. Yeah. That's like a nice – They it clearly brought you up right to be able to make the most out of that. I feel like uh, you didn't resent that or anything like that. You were just like, no, no I want to do it. That's yeah. sick. So you didn't drink in school? Well, and you know what? It, no, not at all. I didn't drink till I was 18. Uh-huh. Yeah. What were you about to say? Sorry, I cut you off. Um, you said I was acutely aware of – How much it was costing them. Oh, yeah. There was that, but there was also – I was really competitive. Yeah. And – uh, I did really well partly because I just didn't want the other bitches to be uh-huh. So it wasn't just an obligation. It was like, fuck you, I'm, I might not be the, one of the smart kids but I'm still going to do better than you. Do you remember any of those other bitches personally? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Are they around now? Yeah. Yeah. Are you still competitive <laughs> with them? Uh, no, I don't need to be. Like, you know, we've all done different things. Yeah, and okay. Yeah, but... But at school, you're very much pitted against each other constantly in every class. So, you know, knowing where you're at in, you know, who you're up against and marks in exams and all that stuff. Did the school, do, did the school do that or did you, was that something that you did in your own head? No, no, the school did that. The school does it? Yeah, yeah. How? Oh, just your yeah, exam results. There, my school didn't do this but um, there are other schools where they actually publish your ranking in the year every Monday. So you can go and see if you're like the dumbest kid in the year. Oh, my or, God. Yeah, That's so terrifying. Are they allowed to do that now? I don't know. Surely not. I mean, you got kids. Do they do that at your kids' schools? No. No. Nah. Um, just within classes they do. Yeah, yeah. So my kids let me know I rem- when they've I, topped I, a class. I do remember in school my teacher – oh, g'day, Frankie. Frankie, your dog has just been chewing up the bubble wrap and has now got a bit of bubble wrap hanging <laughs> out of her <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Gorgeous. Um, I remember in school, my teacher saying like, it's all ranked and the classes and everything. <laughs> this is going to be on YouTube, by the way, which is hilarious. They're just going to have like a dog <laughs> in front of us. Um, them saying that it was ranked and being like, you get better if your school is a better school because your school is higher ranked. And then that gets like your ranking to get into university or whatever the fuck. Oh my God, the dog's on the microphone. I'm still very averse to editing. <laughs> I might not cut this out. <laughs> um, that's hectic though, man. And then what? So did you go straight to university? No. Um, I Well, yes, I did actually. I worked as a Jillaroo 
What's that? A, a, like a farmhand. Okay. And then I started a, um, a degree in visual communication and I hated it. I lasted a month and I dropped out. And then I worked in the advertising industry. And then I didn't go back to university until – and I turned 18 when I was working on the farm. Right. And that's when I had – that's when I sort of became a drinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then I started um, uni, didn't like it, went into advertising. Drinking's a big part of the advertising world. Sure. Then I had a massive motorcycle accident. Yes. And then that's I That's right and you were out of action for a year. Yeah. A year, a whole year in the hospital. Uh, in and out of hospital for a year, a week and a day. I got my last plaster off. How did the motorcycle accident happen? I can't uh, remember the story. On the Sydney Harbour Bridge. She's oh. going for your socks, I think. On the approach to the Sydney Harbour Bridge. The approach. Yeah, so just a guy just took me out, was changing lanes. What are you going? She's she, scratching my foot. She She's want, going nuts for it. <laughs> you can see the blue bit of your, of your sock. What's the blue bit? Does she love blue? I don't know. She can just see it's different. Does Frankie want a bit of sangria? She doesn't. She can't <laughs> have any. Um, um, yeah, wild. Okay. And but then so you it was after that that I went back to university after my motorcycle accident and I studied law. Then I um, finished a fine art degree and then more recently I've studied neuroscience. What was that like being in hospital for a year? Was that – how old were you then? 18? Yeah, 10, 19 in hospital. So you had you would, uh, gone to the farm, started drinking. Was that like a big thing for you, going to the farm? Did that yeah, change was, you? Yeah, knocked yeah. the princess out of me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was a really good experience. Yeah. And good to do good, um, like, hard physical work after just after being so academic, spending two years working really hard towards this one two-digit mark and then, um, and then doing physical hard work was really good. And then going to university and figuring out that everything you'd worked for you didn't actually want anyway. <laughs> I, wasn't ready, I wasn't ready to go to university. I yeah. felt really boring, so I was like, ah. I'm going to leave this for now. And also I bet being in a school environment with so many people around you and you're being really competitive to go to a farm in the middle of nowhere and not be competitive with anyone. Yeah, yeah. And you're not really ranked or anything. It's just like those cattle need to be moved into that paddock by the end of the day. <laughs> and you need to do it and that's the end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Don't lose any. Was there something <laughs> – was, was it just turning 18 that got you drinking? Were you just like, I'm 18 now, I'm allowed to drink? Yeah. Was there, did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah? Had an absolute ball. What did you like about it? Um, I liked the, it was like a grown-up thing to do and the loss of inhibitions was mm -hmm. really fun at that age. Yeah. As in, uh, so you were out on the farm losing your inhibitions. Were you like, were you guys partying out on the farm? Who were you drinking with? Oh, okay, with? you're talking about back then. Um. Yeah, it was sort of a coming of age. Like, ta-da, I can walk into the pub and order my own drink and show my ID and drink it. At a country <laughs> pub? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and crashed in the back of a – on my 18th birthday, crashed in the back of the ute I'd driven there. Sick. <laughs> With my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. That's great. Yeah. And so you were on the farm for a while and then you come back and you're in Sydney yeah. and you have this bike crash. Yeah. And then you're just like, you're spreading your wings, you're drinking, you're out of action for a year. You're in the hospital for a year. Yeah. At 19. Yeah. Do you remember what that was like? Yeah, it was crap. It was really bad. Awful. Uh, <laughs> really bad. But a bit like long haul flights. I say to people, to get through a long haul flight, you board a plane on the assumption that it's like with the mindset that you're there for a week. So it might only be a 17-hour flight, but in your head, if you come at it like you're there for a week, 
you won't lose your sense of humour by the 11 hour mark. Right. And you just get into plain life. Yeah. And you eat everything they bring you. And when <laughs> they put the cabin to bed, you go, all right. We're go going to bed. bed. When they turn the lights on, oh, it's breakfast. And you just, <laughs> you just get into plain life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you get into hospital life as well. So okay. You just, you just go, oh, I'm going to fill in my menu and choose my meals for the next two weeks. And oh, it's the rounds. The doctor's here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the only way or you just. I am boredom. You attack um, it with some sense of like fun, like it's a game. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's a different world. So you've just got to get into the world you're offered. Did you do that? Like, did you? What? Where did that come from? That's a. I mean, I feel like that's quite wise. Just survival, <laughs> and I bore easily. So, um, finding my own way of passing the time like yeah. time was my real was a real monster yeah i bet and it you're just, in there by yourself like your family come and visit like what once a week or a few oh, times a week came every single day every single day every she didn't miss one. Oh, what a savage that's mom awesome every day good for um, her friends came but i actually found it really tiring um like car loads of friends would come and then they'd say oh let's take you outside and they'd wheel me outside and I remember once a bunch of friends came and they wheeled me outside and one of them had wanted to have a ciggy so we had to go like find her and I was I was on a bed I wasn't mm. even in a wheelchair <laughs> I had to like push my bed out and then um I got too much sun and I smoked one of her ciggies <laughs> <laughs> and they left Hospital, and I spent the afternoon vomiting. Wow! Yeah, I just—it was too much. What? Because you hadn't, and you hadn't seen the sun yeah, in a, in, in a bit, and so, so you got burnt. Well, I just got this kind of sudden heat stroke, and this this one ciggy made me really sick. Oh, that's so funny! <laughs> yeah, and then I also found it tiring. People would come and visit me from different parts of my life, and so they're these two people in the room more. together. Yeah. Oh, and you're playing dinner party host. Yeah, the freaking MC. You're like, oh, meet so and so, and like, I'm the one that's just had surgery. <laughs> so yeah. And they're like, and then they're bo- they're leaving separately, going like, well, Lucy was really rude then. Yeah. Like, didn't tell me enough about. It's orky. And then you know, I, I I still do this. If I'm put on the spot, my mind goes blank, and I forget everyone's name. Oh, I hate that. Even people 100%. I know really well, like you, I'd go, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your name would just fall completely out of my head. Just doing my solo podcast <laughs> then, I was trying to tell a story about a guy who I did his podcast and then he bought me lunch on Saturday and I just, his name completely fell out of my head. And I know he, he met me because he listens to my podcast and then came to my show, brought a bunch of friends. You know what I mean? Same thing. I've seen people, who did I see recently? It was, forget their name. It was, yeah. It <laughs> was like remember. a magic trick. Like there were f- like five or six people and he just went, hey, this person, this is this person, this person, yeah. this person. That. No fucking way. If I'm in that situation, I'm like, yeah. I'm going to the toilet. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Yeah. I'll catch you guys yeah. later and then you come back out and you just join their conversation that they both are just friends of you. Yeah, man. Fuck so that. So I found that in hospital a lot. It was like a real drag. And very tiring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how long were you in there for? I was in and out for a year, a week and a day. Wow. That'd be kind of being like institutionalised, I guess. Yeah. You know, like jail or something. I remember my first stint in hospital was eight weeks long. I thought I was – I rode my motorcycle to the nightclub I worked in and I never made it to work and I got home two months later. (laughs) Wow. And I remember walk. No, I didn't walk. I remember being wheeled out of the hospital 
in my little wheelie and the feeling of natural air moving in my skin was so foreign, it made me cry. Oh. Because <laughs> I've been in air conditioning for so long and in this sterile environment and just like the real air. Yeah. That smells like the outside. I like other stuff. It made me cry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a beautiful memory. Not wildly fond of hospital. No. But I was, like, I was lucky to have private cover. I was in a private room. Yeah. My brother had a terrible accident a couple of weeks ago and fractured his skull and he was in a, a room with three other patients and he said you hear everyone snoring everyone farts you hear everyone's problems and I don't know why they do this but doctors come in and they talk really loud to each patient so he's like I know everyone's all the gods I know who's gonna die first yeah actually that happened to me when I was first in hospital they took me to Sydney hospital which is now the eye hospital okay and uh, I was in a massive ward. There were like 12 people in a huge ward, all open. And there was a woman diagonally opposite to me who was discharging herself. And they were talking really loud to her. But they were saying, you're very unwell. You can't discharge yourself. And there was something going on with her kidneys. She said, if my husband finds me here, he'll kill me. So I'm discharging myself. Oh. Yeah. And you don't know what that was about at all. You never but know. Everyone's business is just open slather on. If a big my husband open wall. finds me here, yeah. he'll kill me. And they were like, it was something to do with her kidneys. They were like, you are too unwell to leave. And you don't know anything about what happened in that person's life. No. Isn't that wild? You just yeah. get a little snapshot like that, and then you're just like, what Hell the fuck yeah. happened? Who knows? Yeah. Were you you were working in a nightclub? Yeah, I was working in an ad agency during the day, nightclub at night. How was the nightclub? Good fun. Nightclub at nineteen. <laughs> Yeah. I worked in a nightclub when I was 19. Yeah, really That's like fun. the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Did that get you into drinking? I get the vibe that you weren't like a really big drinker partier. Uh, yeah, I was. I definitely enjoyed a drink. Um, Drugs? No. No. Nah. Just didn't didn't have access to them. Yeah, okay. Didn't, f- I, you know. Not cool I, enough. I don't know. If I'd <laughs> had a friend who was like, hey, you want some? Yeah. It might have been, I might have been more interested in it, but I just wasn't. And the night working in a nightclub does take the shine off the whole clubbing scene. Yeah, okay. Because you're the person who turns the lights on at five a.m. Yeah, and you see how cruddy that carpet is. Mm-hmm. And I was the I was the only girl who finished at five a.m. Oh, on a Sunday morning. Really? And so it was my job to clear the bathrooms and the women's toilets. And that ain't a pretty sight. Nah. And there's usually at least one woman who's fallen asleep on the loo. Oh. And I used to have to shimmy underneath, unlock the door, wake her up. And on the floors like full of like foundation and piss and stuff. Oh, vomit the worst. Yeah. Then I worked out. I didn't like shimmying on the floor. It was freaking disgusting. (laughs) I worked out. I could pull them out by their ankles. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Do you remember like hit that? What? So you just pull their ankles. Yeah, they'd hit their head and then the hit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so sick. Well, you because gotta do what you're gonna yeah, do. Yeah, it's yeah, 5 yeah. a.m. Home time. Totally. Sometimes there'd be couples making out, and you'd be like, "Time to go." You guys need to go find somewhere to fuck. Yeah, the lighting's not really here. harsh out there. Wow. <laughs> I didn't yeah. find that when I'd worked in a nightclub. I loved it. If anything, it made it more glamorous for me. I was like, this is so cool. I'm behind the bar. I'm like inside. 
I'm friends with the DJ, you know. <laughs> I remember drinking. We were we were sort of semi, like we, you know, this was a different world. There was no such thing as responsible service of alcohol. Mm-hmm. I came in long after. Mm-hmm. See, I am an old lady. Yeah, you are. <laughs> How old are you? Do you want to say? 49.5. Are you? Are you nearly 50? Shut up. No that, shit. St- can you stop swearing? <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be 49.999 recurring before long. November. Me and Tina Turner share the same birthday. No shit. Mm. That's cool, man. No. So back then, like I remember working New Year's Eves where we were all drinking behind the bar. Totally. So if we poured a shot for someone, we'd pour a shot for ourselves. I feel like RSA, like... Because I, I got my responsible service of alcohol, but we used to drink behind the bar. And I, I, I remember one Halloween, I don't know why we got fucked up on Halloween, but that was a big night in our club. And I was so drunk, I remember vomiting in the bin under the bar and then standing back up and serving a customer. <laughs> <laughs> like I was just like, oh man, I need to vomit oh. <laughs> into those like big plastic yes. round bins, you yeah. know, with all the bottles. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, I was the one who had to take that bin out. So like, <laughs> um, I actually married a dude who I met working there. No, and he had um, a big scar here on both legs from carrying those bags full of broken glass. Oh, yeah. brutal. <laughs> yeah. Wow, and that was that's the man that you've got you had your kids with. I have three children. Three children to yes. him. That's nice. That's a nightclub romance. Yeah. You guys are a beautiful success story. Yeah, I guess so. For We're a time. Now, but yeah. <laughs> you call that a success? No, I mean that's cool. I don't know. I guess like sometimes I think about the way life plays out and like if you check in on someone at different periods in their life, you know, you can like when you were 35, people around you and probably you would have looked back at that period and been like, look at this. I met my husband. Yeah. We got our children. And then you check back on someone (laughs) 10, 15 years later and it's like, man, I met that fucking guy at that (laughs) stupid club. I got these fucking kids or, you know, whatever. Exactly. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. Time changes. I'm happier now though. Much yeah? happier. And we're perfectly amicable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good. That's awesome. Yeah. So you were at the nightclub. You had the – what was it like when you came out of hospital? Did you have a completely different life? Yeah, I did because um, it took – my leg was a full-time job for a solid two or three years. For you after that to rehab yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and so I couldn't. I had an ad agency job. I couldn't go back to. I actually went back to the nightclub and I worked on the door for a while. Right. Because I could just sit. Yeah. And do a dopey job. That's nice. Um, and that was fun. I still remember the very first shift I worked was so overwhelming because I'd barely been around people. Uh huh. And then and you're surrounded by all these yeah, like lunatic people who push their way in and checking IDs really quickly and. You know, door, I had these. I had doorman that looked after me, and it was. <coughs> I remember just sleeping for. Oh really? Just after the shift. After that shift. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, what was the question? Did you did it did it change your life dramatic oh, yeah. dramatically from yeah, like so before? Because like I'm imagining you go in a hospital, you spend a year, you don't just come back out and walk straight back yeah. into your old life. <laughs> yeah. I found a few things that were off in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, so I had to I had to move back in with my parents. Yeah. And so oh, so you were living out of home at that point, 19? Yeah. 18, yeah. 18. Man, yeah. you're a boss. What were you living like out of home at 18? Were you living like well? 
Yeah. Really? I, I had an ad agency job. I lived yeah, with a friend. Yeah, no shit. We had a two-bedroom apartment. And Man, you're a fucking boss, bitch. That's cool as hell. Yeah, you had a motorcycle. Put my shit together, man. Yeah. yeah. What kind of hair did you have then? You got pink hair now for people not watching on the on the YouTube. <laughs> I have a pink mohawk. Uh, back then, it was just like short dark hair. Yeah, it was, okay. You know, it was the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> um. But so, so you yeah, couldn't. Yeah, I had do... to move back in with my folks. Yep. And then, luckily, I could drive. I had to do a special test to prove that I could drive an unmodified car. Uh, and that was that was okay. Mm-hmm. And then I set up my own advertising agency because I knew I wouldn't be able to. At uh, twenty. Yeah, or the, um, I set that up straight away. Yeah, nineteen twenty. Set oh up my, my God. own agency. The tenacity. Yeah, well, it sounds like that. And someone said to me, "You're so brave," but eh, I didn't feel brave at the time. It felt like it was. Um, it felt like just the flexible thing to do. Right. Like, can't do that. Might as well do this. And I bore easily. So I'm not just going to sit around and watch Days of Our Lives. Yeah, yeah. And I had all this sick pay that mounted up. So I bought my first Mac. And nice. And it just went from there. So I wasn't like – it wasn't so much I'm so tenacious I'm going to push this along until I – you know, I never imagined I'd run it for 20 years. Yeah, I yeah. thought it would just occupy me until I went back into agency life. But I didn't. I ran it for 20 years. And it was why, amazing. why could you not work at the agency but you could run your own one yourself? What was the actual thing stopping you? Um, that particular agency was on three levels and I was I was literally on crutches for such a so long time. So you just time. couldn't walk up the stairs? There, <laughs> shut up. There was no, that. no. I mean like you started your own business because they didn't have a lift? Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Initially, absolutely. But also I just couldn't work full time. Yeah. So you know how they're, they're all saying that four-day work week is, is much more healthy and mm. people are just as productive? Well, dudes, I've been doing that since the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> And I've been working from home since before it was cool. Yeah, totally. And I had remote teams yep. that I ran all over the world since I didn't even know what that was called. I didn't even know that name. You remote just knew teams. that you had other people around doing stuff for yeah, you. Yeah, and I'm using dial-up internet in yeah. the olden days when it used to squeal down the phone at you. Um, so I just kind of made it work. So yeah. then I could be flexible, work from home, have other people working for me so my hours were reduced, partly so I could beetle off and, you know, see my specialist. And <laughs> Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. So what I thought was just me um, being flexible ended up being the best lifestyle. It was really cool. So I never went back to agency life, as uh, in working for someone else. It sounds like, like I guess what I'm doing in this podcast is to talk about drinking is inevitably I talk about my own like relationship with drinking and for me drinking is such a especially that period of my life like I was I, I was like a kid from 18 to 21 I was just like a psycho but it sounds like you grew up so fast like you straight away at 18 were in a house and then you had this accident and so you can't be sitting around in you know the fucking hospital like drinking and getting <laughs> fucked up and so you learned how to cope with stuff in the hospital like you said yeah, the yeah, positive I, attitude. I just go blotto. I had to actually use mindset. Face control. your problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was at a um, Seventh day Adventist hospital, so you couldn't even have coffee. Oh, really? Yeah. What the fuck? It's a vegetarian hospital. Your friends you had to take coffee. you around the block to have a ciggy. Yeah. I know. So, yeah, actually, I'd never set, thought of it that way. But, yeah, I had to be 100% clean, yeah. no booze, nothing. And, you, yeah, just facing the reality. And just deal with life. Yeah. Which a lot of people. It takes them 10, 15, 20 years to turn around and face their life, you know? 
Yeah. But you had to do it at 19. Were all your friends around you out like drinking and partying when you like set up your ad agency and stuff? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I sure were. But see, I got married young too. I got married at 21. Wow. Madness. No shit. For anybody listening. Madness, don't do it. Don't do that. Is the word from Lucy Bloom. (laughs) Yeah, too young. I came from a religious family. Uh Uh-huh. And I thought that was the only way we could be together. And he was the same. Religious family. You had to get married. You had to get married. We had to be together if we wanted to live together. So that was just a requirement. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And is he, does he, what does he do? He is a land surveyor. Right. And he was doing that then too? Uh, When we got married, we were both, both at university. And we both graduated and he went and worked as a land surveyor. And then a bit further down the track, my agency was growing really fast and I was looking to hire someone and I would have been paying that someone more than he was working as a land surveyor. So he came and worked for me. Yeah, And we wow. worked together for 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. An incredible success story. But now he's gone back to surveying. To land surveying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wild. What do you think about this drink? It's by the very, way? very pleasant. Um, it would have been nicer mm-hmm. refrigerated. I apologise, and I would Lucy. have poured it into a pretty glass with some ice. A pretty glass and for maybe, the optics. For the are you saying no, like for the YouTube? Well, you just would have done that because you would have enjoyed it more. Yeah, and I would have put a little sprig of fresh uh, mint from my garden. Mm. <laughs> What's yeah. the flavour there? I didn't even read it. Vibrant ruby bubbles. The perfect blend of bold red fruits, native Australian ribbery. And lively citrus notes, a complex and refreshing finish with a hint of spice and vanilla notes. I think I can taste the vanilla, maybe. What do you drink when you drink? Well, you don't drink anymore, but what no, did you drink? I was a drinker. I mm-hmm. was a Sauvignon Blanc lady. Yeah, okay. And I, I tried to give up. I, this is the third time I've given up. This time it feels completely, it feels permanent. It feels like, it feels like the s- right thing to do. Yep. Just right. Yep. Um, the other two times I made the decision I was drinking too much. I had found a really nice Sauvignon Blanc <laughs> that was very pleasant. And as you know, I live next door to a Dan a Dan Dr. Dan's, as you call mm. it. Is that a thing that people call it? Uh, I liked I was, it. I've been thinking about it. It's what like, I call since it. Since you said it. Actually, I, I had a guest because I Airbnb my spare rooms and uh-huh. I had a guest who said, I'm just popping down to Dr. Dan's and we've just called it that ever since. That's great. It's really funny. Yeah. A very, very nice um, Sauvignon Blanc. You can't go wrong um, with the Marlborough region of New Zealand. Okay. And I bought a case of it and drank it in a week. Oh. And I had not measured myself like wow. that before. I went to get another bottle and was like, where'd they go? <laughs> and realised that I had drunk Six. 12 bottles oh, 12. in one week. Whoa, a that's case, a lot of booze. Yeah, and that's when I went, that's too much booze. And uh, I think in the middle of that week was when it was Mother's Day and – um, my mum got me really drunk because she's just really polite and she just keeps filling her glass. And I had a bit of a hangover and that all happened at once and I thought, I've got to drink less. When was this? Was this the first time you quit? That was 2019. Okay. No, no, that's not the first time. When so was I quit the first when I was 40, time? quit when I was 45 uh-huh. and now I've quit now. When so you were 49 f- and a bit? 49.5. <laughs> so, yeah, when I was 40, I quit because I had a bender on my for my fortieth birthday, uh-huh. and I just woke up, not not so much hungover. Oh, probably was just a classic hangover, but I just felt rubbish, and I yeah. just thought, I'm going to take it. I'm going to, you know, I've just turned forty. Yep. Perfect time to just not booze. And I had three months of not drinking at all over Christmas, which is a miracle. And then I went to India 
and I was doing a horse trek through Rajasthan, riding a horse through the sand dunes in Rajasthan and three hours into a seven-day horse trek, I broke my little finger. The, um, The saddles have a metal ring on the front of them and my finger was pulled through it like I was holding the reins and my finger was pulled through that hole and it just snapped in half and they had no first aid kit yep, (laughs) and no medication. Of course. Um, All they had was some sticky tape. Oh, So we sticky taped my fingers together. The three, the outside three. We actually, because I wore gloves to ride, so we just taped my gloves together. One of the other riders was a pharmacologist and he wore a vest like photographers wear with all their films in it. But he had drugs. with drugs. Nice. So he was keeping me (laughs) medicated. Um, but I broke my um, no drinking rule because I was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. I had a beer at lunchtime and yeah. then I snaffled whatever they gave me at dinner because I was in so much pain. So you, it, so it finger. went through the ring. Yeah, I was holding the reins quite tightly because when, right. you, when you ride a brand new horse, yeah. you keep them on quite a tight rein just to get to know them. And these horses were really hot, like goers. Right. So in Australia, the, usually the good old Aussie stock horse is a bit of a lazy bugger and okay. needs a really good – they need to know your boss to get going. To give them a kick. They'll, they'll slack off if right. they can. Right. But this breed of horse, the Mawari – it's just a really hot horse. They want to go. It's like Genghis Khan horses. Genghis Khan is Mongolian. I know, no, and this is India, but like <laughs> same flat plains though, right? No, they're different. They're a different breed. They, okay. They've got curly ears. Yeah, the, okay. Um, Mawari, they're really special, but they are big horses, so mm-hmm. like 19 hands and fast, and they just want to go. So we'd yeah. get on those horses in the morning and we'd have to start the day with a massive almighty gallop just to let those horses blast the morning energy wow. out. So we'd mount in order of the most experienced riders first because yep. by the time the least experienced were mounting, those horses were already rearing up and going around <laughs> in circles and it was wild. So, yeah, I needed a drink to get through the broken. And how long were you on that trip for? That was that was a three-week trip in India, but that was a seven-day gallop through the sand dunes. Damn. Wild. And you were galloping for a few days with a broken finger. Yeah. Savage. <laughs> Broke the rule and then kept drinking after that. Um, and then I thought I'll just drink in moderation, yeah. which has never worked for me. No. Um, it sounds like a great idea. Uh, and then it just gradually becomes an everyday thing. So and then you're just like, oh, well, it's okay. I've got a handle on it, that kind of vibe. Yeah. Or it just becomes something that you don't think about. Um, I just don't think about it. It's yeah, just habit. Yeah. You just pour a glass of wine with dinner. Yeah, totally. And then you pour another one if that went down really smoothly, which it always does. It if always it's a does. Sauvignon Blanc from the Marlborough region <laughs> of New Zealand. <laughs> and yeah, it just became an everyday thing. And then um, I gave up again in 2019. And I went, right, really? And I had a solid six months off yep. drinking, did the same thing. I can, I can moderate. I can just drink uh-huh. for special occasions. Totally. Um, and then it it probably took another two years before it was to an every, slip back into everyday it. thing again. And that's when Dr. Dan's moved in next door. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. That, so considering like I guess because most people when they drink, it's like uh, – well, I'm, no, I don't want to say most people. Me, when I drink, um, it's like a way of – not having to face life or making it a bit easier, you know? I think that's why I quit drinking because I was using drinking to do that. Do you, did you find that you were doing that? Because like from what we said before, 
earlier in your life you kind of learnt those skills. Like, what was the problem with drinking? Um, was I just, it just enjoyed a hangover? It so, uh, yeah, what was the problem? Definitely the hangover. Uh, we're just recording a podcast and we're filming it. I'm just informing my yeah, yeah, spawn yeah. of my loins. Um, no. Yeah, grab her. Go on, Frankie. You have to walk into the shot. You're all good, man. We'll do some we'll do some editing <laughs> at eleven fifty five. Okay. Um, what was the problem <clears throat> with drinking? Yeah. Uh, the expense, the time. So when you drink, you're a bit useless. Uh huh. And I've got shit to do. Yeah. Um, and definitely the hangover. Yeah. So I would it would definitely slow me down the next day. Um. Yeah. 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 That's the negative. It became an everyday thing for me. Not. Because I wanted to blot anything out. Yeah. It was more a reward uh-huh. for getting to the end of the day. <sighs> totally. You know, a celebration, a, a happy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have a drink, um, something I would do while I was cooking. Uh-huh. Um, it's just this really pleasurable thing. So yeah. I didn't go, oh, I need to drink. I'm going to drink because I'm having a – although there have been a couple of times lately I've had a really rough time uh-huh. and thought now is – Exactly when I would sit down and smash a bottle of wine. Right. To commiserate. Yes. So celebrate and commiserate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, those negatives were starting to pile up. Time is probably one of the biggest things. You start drinking on a Sunday afternoon and you're good for nothing. For the rest of the day. Yeah. You yeah. can't write. You could you have been doing stuff. produce. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed that not... Drinking, I can drive anywhere, yeah. anytime. Yeah, driving is a huge one, hey. And anytime, so you don't you don't dick around trying to work out logistics for oh, how am I going to get home from there? Because you know I'll be drinking and, and the cab go, and the money and all yeah, this you just stuff. Go, drive. And you're so useful to people. <laughs> yeah. I've driven other people's cars home from events because I'm like I don't drink, and everyone's like, yes, yeah, yeah, sick. What was that? Was there any moment that led to this now? Third time? time quitting drinking? Um, it or, was, just or was there any big to, decision? It just I, – I kept thinking on it, whereas normally I didn't think about it. Right. I just kept thinking on it. And then I just heard a few messages at the right time and maybe my ears were open. And I remember um, seeing, reading somewhere, no amount of ethanol is safe. Oh, yeah. And that was just enough words – you know how I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in marketing. Tumors. They got you with the marketing. <laughs> and I, so I saw that, and then someone recommended a book by Holly Whitaker called okay. "Quit Like a Woman." Yep. And I'm an audio book listener, so I listened to that in the lead. Oh, between Christmas and New Year. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting. Talks about how AA was um, created for men in the church. That it doesn't actually. <clears throat> it's not really designed for women. Okay. Um. And it talked about that's where I get I got that idea that sober isn't a great word, right? Because the opposite of that is drunk, right? And you're not the opposite of drunk because there are some good things about drunk, and to be the opposite <laughs> of drunk means that you're bad thing. That's yeah, a part of that. it, right? There's like positive there's connotations. That, but there's also the idea that AA has this idea that you're always a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. And I think that's bullshit. That's like a bit of victimizing. I don't. It's I don't bullshit. like. I don't like the idea of calling myself an alcoholic either. I yeah. think it feels weird, and it's this weird binary of like drinking bad, sober, good. You know, and it's like 
I think as long as you're making choices about what you're doing. Yeah, or that sober is a kind of, yeah, that you're... Some like elevated state. No, you're seeing all the positives. I'm seeing it more as a negative thing like you're, um, you haven't overcome something yet. You're, you're always a recovering alcoholic. Right. Someone who calls themselves sober. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. AA says you're never... You're never right, cured. so for you, Every it's kind of tied to that, like yeah. medical or like like some some kind of viewing it as yeah, like a recovery type yeah. of thing. Yeah, um, and an in process thing, and also the opposite of sober is drunk, but there's a middle ground with drinking. You don't have to be drunk, and I right. I wasn't that kind of drinker. Yeah, in the last ten years, anyway. Totally. Um, we skipped a big gap in my life, uh-huh. my 30s. So my 20s, I was building an agency. I was married, um, drank every day. Yeah. Enjoyed a glass of vino at my desk. Yeah. Um, you know, six o'clock was wine o'clock. Nice. Um, and I'd finish off work at my desk with a glass of wine, have a glass of wine with my dinner. Mm-hmm. If that went down well, maybe have another. So it's a fair bit of booze. Yep. Then my 30s was my baby-making decade. Uh-huh. And I have three kids and that's that's one of the hardest things I've ever done is <laughs> making humans. Make kids and having young kids and bringing them up and shit. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And if getting to the end of a day and needing a reward, you know, um, having little kids is, is that kind of stage. Right, right. It was that kind of stage in my life. Yeah. Where I got to, you know, once I had those kids in the bath and, you know, I could see bedtime was, was within reach. On the horizon. Yeah. You'd have a glass of wine. Oh, yeah. My yeah. husband would be cracking open a glass of wine. and <laughs> We did it. Yeah, he'd have them poured ready for us both. Wow. Once we got the kids into bed kind of thing. So I was probably a bigger drinker in my 30s. Okay. And then 40s was when I was like, oh, this doesn't, this isn't the best thing. And it's like d- getting a bit easier with the kids, I guess, as oh, they much, get older. Yeah, yeah, much easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's no, you don't need the light at the end of the tunnel. You can just go back to living your life. Yeah, there's a few stages with kids, you know, when they when they can get out of the car themselves uh-huh. and wipe their ass themselves, uh-huh. that's a big stage of freedom, of not having to do all this stuff. And then there's a stage when they can like drive their own car. <laughs> that's the next easy stage when you go, oh, and they just walk in the door and they've dealt their whole day. <laughs> and you didn't need to do any of it for them. Yeah, and that's, you know, because they're in their mid-teens and they're doing their thing and getting themselves to school and life gets so much easier. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe in my 40s, that's why I could see, mm, I don't think my drinking right. is Right, that so in your necessary. 30s the drinking was like not soothing. even in a bad way but something that really helped you get through. Yeah, it was soothing. It was a big part of your life, would you yeah. say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no way I could give up in my 30s, no way. That's interesting as well because I feel like in the community or maybe like some of the discourse around drinking and quitting drinking is this idea that like you just have to do it and it's always bad and having a crutch and whatever. But like it sounds like from what you just said, drinking in your 30s was a very useful and maybe not 100% positive but like how would you say – would you say that it was useful? Do you Are you glad that you did it? Do yeah, you, I loved you, it. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> I loved it. It was um, It was that nice – it was like this reward. You got to the end of the day. I wasn't a day drinker. I just did, it just didn't float my boat. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't like it. Yeah. But um, it was a reward. Yeah. Kids are in bed. 
I get to have a glass of wine. We'd cook dinner together. We'd, you know, have a meal together like, you know. Like people. Like people. Oh. Um, and and wine was part of that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's a really important point to make because like I don't drink but I don't want to be one of these non-drinkers who's like, it's just amazing. Like I don't, the binary, I hate the binary, the black and white. There's great things to drinking. I don't drink. But again, it's like making the choice, you know, if you want yeah. to make a choice to drink, I think that's so sick. And I think for me, it was also listening to that book at that holiday season time between Christmas and New Year. Yeah. And a lot of the things it says in there, like it reinforced that no amount of ethanol is safe. Mm-hmm. It was just all landing at the right time for me. Like yeah. when, you're, when you're staring down the barrel at age 50, you're past the halfway mark. Mm-hmm. It's the downhill slide <laughs> to your mortality. And you're just trying to grab onto the edges of the slide. Yeah. And it burns. So you want – then you start thinking of longevity. Yeah, right. And um, then things like superannuation actually matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but longe- longevity suddenly um, – means more to you where you just go, yeah, actually I'm past the halfway mark and I gave it a 30-year red-hot go yeah. as a drinker Yeah, and it's probably enough for this little body, mm-hmm. not a big person. Uh, and so and it was good timing too. Um, I had a few drinks with friends on New Year's Eve and uh, there's a guy called Alan Carr who has written books about quitting smoking and yeah, drinking. Yeah, I've heard of that book. And Holly Whitaker's book references – she references the good bits out of lots of different programs. Cool. And, the, and you know, some of the bits to ignore like, you know, terms like alcoholic. Um, and in Alan Carr's book, he suggests you you take yourself out for a final drink and you really enjoy it. Yeah. And it's kind of ceremonious. Yeah. And so I spent that week between Christmas and New Year, I just tidied up any of the booze that was in the house. <laughs> Finished the last, you know, bottle and a half that was in the fridge and... I actually gave some away. I had a bottle of whiskey I knew I'd never get through and I just yep. gave it away. Yeah. Um, and then New Year's Day clicked around <clears throat> and I started it with a run at Bronte at 5 a.m. Oh, yeah. So it was actually a really good way to start the year. Yeah, great. And you'd had your last drink. Yeah. And you did all of that shit. Yeah. And now you're done. Yeah. That's dope, man. Um, it, and I find having had having made the decision – I don't remake it every day. Yes, that and that takes away a lot of the discipline. You that just was go, the. I don't drink. That was such a thing for me. The the weight off of my shoulders when I realized that I could not drink, and then to decide to not drink, it was just like, I don't. That's such a good way to put it. To not remake the decision every day, it's like you don't have to decide in every moment or in every evening whether you're going to drink yep. or not. You just go, well, I don't drink, so yeah. I'm not drinking. Well, rules are just decisions you make once. That's also very good. That's, mate, you're in marketing. That's a (laughs) fucking really good one. So you just made up a rule. And the hardest part about making a decision is making a decision. Yeah, so you've taken away the decision making. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What do you want to plug, mate? I know you've got a book out. You've got a novel. I have a novel called The Manuscript, A Story of Revenge. That's right. You've Um, got two other books as well. I do. I have my memoir, which is called Get the Girls Out. Which I've read. It's just fantastic. Thanks. Amazing stories. Thanks. Uh, and then I have a childbirth guide for men called yes. Tears to Childbirth. And because people keep reading, that book keeps selling. <laughs> um, so. Anything else you want to tell my um, people about? 
Was that about it? That's okay. That's, that's the Lucy that's about it. Booze story. Well, um, if you guys are liking the podcast, please give us five stars on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening. I'm at AidenJonesComedy.com. And thanks very much, Lucy, for coming on the pod. My pleasure. You're, you're on my couch. I'm I on your couch. You can't escape, no. mate. <laughs>